Welcome to Thrive, a series that explores how founders, leaders, and changemakers innovate, grow, and navigate in an age of constant disruption. Uh, I had the fortunate um, opportunity to have a little walk with you outside yeah. <laughs> before, this, uh, before this interview, and we're just kind of walking down the Embarcadero, and uh, of course, we're, we're, we have drinks <laughs> in our hands, and we're getting ready to toss the trash, and there's a big belly, you know, <laughs> solar uh, trash compactor. And he walks up, uh, and it just doesn't work the way he wants it to, which I really appreciate. <laughs> and he goes, this is unacceptable. And, and so I really love when CEOs, owners, uh, founders uh, take so much pride in their product. And uh, I just would love for you to talk a little bit about that moment. That moment. Yeah. So a few minutes ago, <laughs> the, the foot pedal is, is like a 10-year discussion. Right. Uh, the big belly is a trash can, right? And being a trash can, it gets kind of nasty, right? There's trash and stuff in it. And uh, as, a, as a safety mechanism, we have to have this trap door so people can't stick their arm in and get chopped off, right? Um, and so for years and years and years, like, like from, since the beginning, we need a foot pedal, we need a foot pedal. Um, experiments uh, you know, go on and, and, and it's, it's a daunting thing, right? I mean, the whole, the whole concept of building a machine that could crush somebody's hand and putting it out in the public space where it gets vandalized and hit by cars and rained on and everything on, um, it's a hard thing to do, right? And to, to make it work. Right for a long time, ten years, twelve years, um, and so the foot pedal was like this, this thing. We're like we got to do it. We know we have to do it, uh, but not right now. You know we're barely profitable. We need to you know make the machine work better first. We need to make it cheaper first. We uh, just can't take this on. And so we finally did the foot pedal. Um, and you know all these considerations, right? What if there's snow? What if it freezes? What if somebody hits their foot on it? Um, how do you make it go four million times without breaking, right? Because I mean, that's the thing, right? It's like engineering a car door or something. Um, tests and tests and tests, right? Accelerated life cycle testing where you put the thing in a closet and you're just banging the foot pedal for months to simulate what it's like in the real life and you really can't do it. So we put these things out there. We finally launched the foot pedal. And uh, very hard engineering project to make it, you know, backward compatible, right? And the best it can be. And I went and stepped on a foot pedal, and it, you know, it, it didn't quite open right or didn't quite close right. And I was like, and I recalled, um, you know, my suggestion to the engineering team that you know we have a stronger spring in there. And they're not dummies, right? We've worked together for a long time. I'm like, you gotta make a stronger spring, right? Because when you step on that thing, it's gotta come back, right? I mean, it's gotta, you know, and it gets full of gook, right? It gets full of stuff. And, uh, and they said, well, we, we had a stronger spring. And then little kids would come up and they'd step on the foot pedal and they'd get bonked on the head with the hopper. So we went with a lighter spring. And I guess, you know, why we have a lighter spring. <laughs> so, you know. And the reason why I kind of introed with that is because you were so passionate about the details in that moment. And, and I think we're 10 years on since 
kind of the founding of the company. Um, even more than that, yeah. right? And, and so I, I would love that, you know, you had a business plan, mm -hmm. it's kind of written out, uh -huh. and you're just as passionate about the details. Right. What's that journey been like for you? Well, you know, the concept is simple, right? The, the, the PowerPoint slide is simple, right? We're going to use solar power to compact the trash and displace garbage truck trips. The garbage trucks are highly polluting and very expensive, and if we cut those, we save everybody money. Everybody's happy, right? Pretty straightforward. The details are, are what takes 14 years, right? And, uh, uh, you know, you go through revision after revision, and things work, and things fail, and things break, and things get gross from time to time. And uh, um, you go through funding rounds. You go through hiring and firing and, and mishaps and all, all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's where the, the, the challenge really is. Yeah, and, right. and you have to learn about politics and lobbying and municipalities and city councils and all these ugly parts of what is just a very simple, straightforward and I've heard brilliant concept and I'm like, I've never seen that brilliant, you know, <laughs> you know fixing a broken ram or whatever. Yeah, um, it was one of three concepts at the time that you had. Yeah. Uh, I was. Uh, I went to Babson. It was. Uh, it was after the dot com bubble had burst, and I was living in San Francisco at the time. And uh, everybody got fired. Basically, my company went out of business. Had no prospect for funding. And uh, I said, uh, "It's a good time to apply to business school." So I applied to Babson because uh, I'd worked a bunch of jobs in a bunch of different companies, and I felt like I should just do this myself. Right? These people are. Can't do it right, right? Um, and so I went to Babson, and yeah, I had three, these. These I went to this this program called EIT, Entrepreneurship Intensity Track, where the second year of Babson, you write a business plan and try to start a company, and it was like Goldilocks. I had three plans that I went through, and you know, for one reason or the other, they the two wouldn't have worked, and I got good advice, and I decided to do the easy one. <laughs> Ironically. But it hasn't been that easy. Oh, no. I mean, that's the thing, right? I'm glad I didn't choose the hard one. Yeah. You know, um, the, the, uh, it was hard. It is hard. So talk about those initial days. And I mean, did you really understand what it was going to be um, at the beginning? or? I, I guess, you know, some things are exactly like they were supposed to be. And some things uh, we, I, we're way off on. And I, I think the, the biggest and most important early one was I thought we would sell to the private sector first. And, and my first customer was Vail Ski Resorts. And there was such a good value proposition for them. I mean, they would go and pick up the trash up the, you know, four miles up the trail in a snowcat, right? And that thing was high paying. It was very expensive. Um, and there's an aesthetic, and they can't have litter, and they, you know, there are animals out there, right? So it was a big deal. Uh, and they bought like instantly. I mean, it was a false positive. And I'm like, oh, they own 11 other resorts, and we're going to move into Hyatt, and they're going to move back. And um, the product just wasn't there enough for them. They, mm -hmm. I, I think they, they want a, a much better aesthetic, like bent sheet metal doesn't cut it. It was a big, ugly machine. Because in the beginning, you, you don't have molds. You can't do the $500,000 mold for the 
sexy shaped side skin, right? And, um, and, and so I was wrong about who would buy this. And it ended up being municipalities. Um, and, and you learn the hard way how hard it is to sell an efficiency product to municipalities because they often don't really want to be efficient. Uh, and the sanitation union isn't that into brand new technology to displace the guys, right? And so that was the challenge, right? And so, yeah, there's the product development challenge, which you expect, but then there's this, oh my God, it actually takes three years to sell a meaningful amount to a municipality and more, right? I mean, we worked on New York City for, I mean, we still work on New York City, but uh, the first real deployment was like year seven. Right. Year seven. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. And so you're wearing a ton of hats. Um, I heard about one hat you wore today, and that was in Seattle. I thought you would sh should share that story a little bit, where I guess there was some drops of water getting into the oh. into the trash can. I, I think you're, this is important. You're making me tell all the all the all the, the bad horror stories. Yeah. What about the glamour? I thought it was it's supposed coming. to be glitzy and glamour. Yeah, to be an it's coming. Yeah, entrepreneurship's glitzy and glamour. Uh, so I was telling Lynn this story earlier, and she whispered it to you. Okay. Um, I, I put this under the category of like the most humiliating and disgusting moment. Um, and I, I got this, uh, I mean way before this, one guy was like CEO, that stands for clean everything out. And in the trash business, that's not such a great thing sometimes. But, um, but yeah, I, I moved to Seattle and I was kind of pioneering the sales effort out there. And uh, you know, I ran into kind of two problems with that, that made us better eventually, but they were kind of painful. Um, I, I, I uh, first season, I found myself uh, with big batteries in my backpack, going up to the machines and secretly swapping out batteries in December and January because it's Seattle and December, and you don't realize like, wow, we're as far north as Nova Scotia. I mean, it's up there, right? And we hadn't had that much of a test. And so to get through the winter, um, I go to pull out, these weren't wirelessly compatible at the time, right? I pull out my laptop, I plug it into the machine, I download all the solar data, and I'd create a spreadsheet at home and calculate when the next time would be that I had to show up. Because the, the battery was voltage like this. Like every two weeks, I'd have to show up with a new battery. And then I got a little better at that, and I'd switch batteries from the south side of the street to the north side of the street. But I just had to get through the, the two months, basically. And I knew it would come out, and it was getting better and better. And I, and I learned a lot about solar and, and ambient solar, which is an uh, underappreciated science, I think, probably. Um, <laughs> uh, so that was one, but I think you're referring to, to another. Oh, but that created right uh, a special project to fix the problem, and we moved a sensor a couple up a couple inches, and then we developed a dual sensor which we could remotely control, and it would automatically go into winter mode, so that didn't happen again. And that makes us better, right? And so when the competitor comes out of South Korea and steals everything, right, and violates our patent and whatnot, their machines are still running out of energy, and they they can't sell to Northern Europe because the machines fail because they don't have the software logic and they, they didn't haul the batteries in the backpack, right? Um, but there was one more, it was the, it was the, 
the rain in Seattle. So it, it rains as well um, <laughs> as in the winter. Uh, and um, I had just made a sale of like 85 machines into the rural parks outside of Seattle. And they don't, nobody goes to these parks in the winter. And it rains in the winter. And we learned the hard way that water drips on the top, rolls down the front, little watershed, kind of comes down the front, and bends away around the hopper and finds its way into the bin. And this had never been a problem before because people picked up the trash every couple of days or a week or whatever, and there wasn't enough water. But you go two months in Seattle and you have a big bin that's full of water. And the client calls and they're like, these things are full of water. It's impossible. I mean, we have like 10,000 of them out there. This, why me? What, what, what happened? Um, and, and then, of course, we realized it's the, the slow trickle, and, and they filled up. But I had to go deal with that, because right? I didn't have a staff at the time. And I, you know. How many years in is this? Oh, this is like year, I don't know, seven or eight or something like that. Yeah, eight. Yeah. So eight years, we're flying blind, not knowing that the, the things are leaking. And uh, it was the most disgusting thing when you pull out a bin full of water, dog poop, trash, banana peel, cigarette butts. It's like a tea, right? You make a tea <laughs> of the all, it's like the nastiest substances ever. This would be like the worst uh, fraternity pledge thing that you would ever have to, to make somebody do, you know. So um, yeah, I had to pull these things out and they'd spill all over, you know, like, oh, you know, that was bad. So, um, but things, you know, that was a low point. Let's we then created a gutter, and the gutter diverted the water. I think the reason I'm saying I won't go into that. Right, like, I mean, redesign you, that where they forgot the gutter after that. You know, right. you're losing a job during the dot com. You know, a, a startup mm -hmm. kind of goes south a little bit. You start another company. You're eight years in. You're cleaning out the sludge, and then you're on your third company now. Like, so why do I keep doing this to myself? <laughs> <laughs> like, what's next? Right. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. There are good parts too, right? Yeah, what are those? Uh, we'll think about that. Um, well, you know, there's that the hopeful light at the end of the tunnel, right? There's the there's the there's the the opportunity that you see every day develop where you're changing something. Um, that you, you didn't like. I mean, garbage trucks suck, right? I mean, they're nasty. We need them off the road. We need to recycle better. It, it's a bigger problem, and I'm helping solve it. And now this thing's got a life of its own, and 50 people go to work every day, and they have families, and they come to work, and, and the families are, are, you know, they're paying the kids tuition, and the people are actually working every day while recycling and getting diesel off the road. And, you know, I mean, they're, you want to rag on garbage trucks a little bit? They kill more, more people than anything else. They get 2.8 miles a gallon. That's one Exxon Valdez worth of oil burned up into the atmosphere every four days in America alone. Like it's, there's, something, there's some meaning there, right? And it's going well, right? They're, they're, they're the best quarter ever. It's just been on a trajectory. It's been a long time, but uh, you got to be patient, I guess, right? Yeah. But and so you're on the third company now. And yeah. what are you working on? Well, I, I tried to take all the 
good things that I've learned in life and apply it to the next company. Um, so it's largely a software company because I didn't want to do the whole gutter battery thing anymore. Um, and, and you know, most of what we do is we buy a recycled smartphone, we put our app on it, we get rid of all of the other apps, and we give it to companies, and they give it to their workers. And those, those smartphones um, are underappreciated assets, right? Uh, you can buy a recycled smartphone, good one, for $20. It's got an accelerometer and a gyroscope and a magnetometer and a light meter and a GPS and all this stuff, video, microphone, incredible technology. And, and they're, you know, people throw them away. I mean, how many people have an old smartphone in their drawer right now? How about more than one? Pretty good, right? You're probably lower than average, I don't know. Um, but they're $47 billion worth of, I mean, they're, uh, of smartphones sitting in people's drawers right now. Um, I buy from wholesalers who give, give me exactly my spec. Like, I want this phone, that variety, you know, that OS, you know. Um, type A, right, class A, um, and I can get it. And I'm buying from people that are reselling like 15 million phones a month. That's a, that's a, a missed opportunity. And I, I've always liked to be as resourceful as possible, right? So why burn diesel when you don't have to? Why drive a garbage truck when you don't have to? Um, we, all, we, we are, you know, humanity gets better if we are more sparing with the resources that we have, because we really don't have that many, right? We got one Earth. Uh, apparently, we're on pace to need like two or three, so we got to figure out the asteroid thing. But that's a pain in the ass, right? I mean, and Elon Musk can do that stuff, right? But um, we don't have that much energy coming in, we don't have, et cetera. And so using things, reusing things, repurposing things just makes sense to me. And so we've I mean, that was kind of where it started. That's not really what we are and what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And we're actually thinking about just partnering with companies that can supply those phones, because I don't even want that much hardware in my life. Um, but our software is incredible. So we put it in a truck, and we monitor where the truck is going, and when, and who's doing what, with the accelerometer, which is, to most people, a, a video game sensor. Right? And, uh, and the microphone, which we talk in, but we can, you can sense a lot in the GPS. And we map what the truck is doing. And so this logistics are incredible. We found out that a major customer of ours, a $14 billion company, retail company in the United States, um, they, they pay people to drive these trucks back and forth. And they're actually driving the trucks for 13 minutes an hour. And we know that because we have 4 million data points, right? And 100,000 of these moves saying that they're doing this for 13 uh, minutes an hour on average, right? And you can see the spikes, and you can see the troughs, and we know when and where and who, and, and now we're starting to ask why. So that's kind of our logo. We modify to ask why. And if you know why, that's kind of the best, right? You can know who and where and what and all that kind of stuff, but if you know why, then you can do something about it, right? And, um, you know, so given that information, they decided to to figure out what to do with this problem, right? I mean, they're paying people to do nothing for nine hours a day, right? The cost of moving a trailer varies from uh, $1 to $30, right? $2 to $30. Like, what are you doing, right? Amazon's not doing this, and they know that, and they're like, whoa, we're a retailer. Amazon is just killing us on the logistics front. So there's a race to catch up, and I think that 
with, with smartphones at this price point, there's a leapfrog opportunity in construction, in logistics, in inspection and repair, right? And so we developed this software uh, to basically push down queries, questions to the phone, which a human can answer by saying, yes, I did it, here's a picture, the bolt is rusty, the wrench is missing, uh, and we know where and when, and we monitor all these sensors, and then use machine learning to say, that did happen, or that didn't happen, or we think that guy, you know, drove too fast, too slow. We think the trailer should move from here to there, not from here to here, right? And that makes people more efficient, more productive, given the resources that they have. And you know, ultimately, that falls to the bottom line. And um, uh, it, this has been the, the whole. The, I've been at it for three years, and it started with this premise that there's, there's, there's something there. I don't know what it is, but it's big. And people are consuming, we buy 1.5 billion smartphones a year, right? And um, it's just like this incredible computing power and, and communication opportunity. And That's so- Underutilized. Oh yeah, yeah, not even, not even utilized, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, so we can deliver this as an app on your phone or whatnot um, and, and help companies understand what's going on, right? Help fight what we call anecdotes and post-it notes which is if you're head, at headquarters and you're running Starbucks and you're like, how much stale inventory is on the shelves of, 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 my, of my stores in Starbucks? Well, that's like a global question that ends up getting answered by people with checklists, rolling it up into spreadsheets, bringing it to meetings, right? Uh, and then they say, okay, change this thing. And then they go and if they really want to do it right, they have to measure again, right? And so, this is ridiculous, you can't do that. And what we do is provide people to ask, you know, the opportunity just at headquarters, ask a question, whatever it is, right? Push down a series of tasks to people and we coordinate this without people having to filter information and use opinions and anecdotes and things like that. Um, so we think we, we provide a much clearer layer from decision makers to these things that are happening in the field that um, are, are, are inefficient and mistakes because there's too much subjectivity or uh, tribal knowledge or the information doesn't flow right. So you're three years in, where are you in, uh, where are you at uh, from a life cycle perspective? You've, you've taken a couple rounds of funding, you've taken, yeah, taken some funding from uh, just private sources, um, really good uh, angel investor group, very small group. Um, and uh, recently expanded from the, the two people who, you know, co-founder co and I, who, who built the software. I'm not a programmer. He built the software. I went out and figured out what people might want. Um, and uh, we got to this point where we're like, okay, we got a good revenue model. Like, this is really, really good. Margins are great. Scalability's there. The infrastructure's built. We had a couple of, of really good brand name clients who were moving on to phase two, phase three, liking what we're doing, coming up with new ideas. And we said, um, this is good. Last, you know, first quarter of this year, this is good. Everybody agreed. Let's go hire some, some more people. So we're six now and mm -hmm. um, we're uh, customizing stuff for big companies right now and, and you know, getting them started in the early 
phase of you know, rolling this thing out. And, and so as you think about building companies, um, this, is, this question's kind of too cool, but as you think about building companies, do you think about setting them up for acquisition? Do you think about just building companies for the long haul? Or, right. I, I guess that, you know, the, the goal uh, with Big Belly was, you know, we'll grow it up and we'll sell it to somebody. Um, and somebody will want this strange company that's like a trash can company, an IoT company, a smart cities company. It's, it's still evolving and it's getting really, really quite interesting. Um, but yeah, that was that was the plan. You know, I don't know about this one. I, I if, if I could, is what I'd do with this one. Develop an automobile division, sell it to the automobile guys. Develop a construction division, sell it to those guys. And so you can, it's a perpetual motion machine, right? Because mm -hmm. it's so hard to build a company in the first place. Why just sell a perfectly good company, right? Um, but you know, there, there are other ways to, to, to get value out of that. I mean, in theory, you generate cash and give people dividends, and that's a great thing too, right? Um, so I'm not in a rush at all. I mean, we are, this is a big one. This is a platform play. Um, we could go into a lot of different industries. Mm -hmm. um, we're not out there as a construction monitoring company or truck monitoring company. We're an enabler, and I, and I think that if we can connect the ecosystem appropriately and incent the right people to do these things, um, it could be a very powerful platform that, that helps you know, solve real world problems where uh, computers alone can't do that and sensors alone can't do that. Um, you know, it's very hard to put a sensor on a, on a, on a hammer or a drill bit or a, you know, um, a construction site and whatnot. Um, on that note, I mean, on that note of solving real-world problems, it seems like every idea that you have come up with, and even your first company, right, has been around solving problems that the world is facing. Uh, I mean, it seems to be purpose-driven, right? Yeah. Like everything you do is purpose-driven. I don't know. You get this itch. You're like, oh, God, there's just this, this problem out there, and uh, it's never. There's been an opportunity there to solve it, yeah. right? I mean, um, yeah. I mean, there's some problems that. That exist that I, I decide not to go and fix. Right? I mean, there are things that are just definitely out of my realm. But um, you know, I, I'm a gadgety guy. I like uh, electronics and now more software and uh, algorithms and you know, just figuring stuff out. That's that's why I'm a tinkerer. Right. Can we talk about your first company? Sure. I think this is interesting. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. That that's like. Uh, probably the, the one that that approaches the biggest problem, right, of, of the three of the, the things that I've, I've, I've actually done so far. Um, so this one was I, I, uh, my girlfriend and I, now my wife and I, um, started this company called Do Good Dates. It was a nonprofit in San Francisco. Um, the idea was uh, volunteerism, volunteering, uh, was it's a big commitment, and it's uh, a lot of people don't do it because it's a it's a commitment or it's a pain or you don't know about it or you're not sufficiently motivated to go do it. But there are all these problems out there, right? The homeless people need sleeping bags, and the food bank needs food moved around and things like that. And um, so her idea was we should make a volunteer dating thing. And I was like, that's a great idea. Because there's another problem, 
where singles don't like, you know, a lot, there are a lot of singles out there who have trouble meeting singles at the normal places, work or bars or restaurants or just through peer circles. Um, and so there's this Venn diagram of people who care about helping the environment, cleaning up the park, getting rid of invasive species, helping the homeless, um, whatever, and, and people who also uh, are interested in meeting other singles. So you combine the two, uh, convince bars in the area to give people a free drink and, and a space, and all of a sudden it was like, it was like you know, this, this mix that was like chocolate and peanut butter, right? It, it just worked. Um, and people came back and they loved it and they came back and then there was an article about it in the Chronicle right before Valentine's Day and we were just overwhelmed and we were doing, we, we could have, we, we were doing two events a week, uh, often like 100 people, but getting people, 100 people. This is 99. Yeah, yeah, 99 into 2000. Getting, you know, 200 people a week to, to go and put on gloves and pick up trash on the beach for, for two hours you try to do that. Like there, you need a hook, right? I mean, and the single thing was, was a very, very good hook, right? So um, ultimately, yeah, for you know, the economy tank, things changed. I had to go to business school. Um, we, 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 we realized that we couldn't put it in the hands of, of somebody else because he had different objectives, and we shut it down. But, you know, we were approached by Match.com. There, there was... They're, they're still probably a there, very there. interesting. There is a there there. Um, and it was fun. It was really uh, rewarding every, every day. Like, wow, we just cleaned up the whole beach and then had a bonfire. And then everybody actually took their empties back to the, you know, <laughs> to, the, to the place. Every, every story you've shared with me um, over the course of a few hours is you kind of end it with it was rewarding <laughs> in many respects. Like you really, like you, you have a particular mindset and a, a particular attitude towards work and your companies in general? Like, where did, where did that stem from? Well, I mean, very uh, positive. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I don't know, my, my, uh, my dad's a big role model. He said uh, to me one time, I was young, and he's like, I'm not a genius. I'm just honest, I work hard. And he did, he left the house at six, came home at seven, Played with us in the weekends, or you know, rarely. You know, you know, we were a little wild and crazy. You know, but you know, he'd come home, he'd tell us a story, give us a back rub, and good night, right? Um, but his job was rewarding, right? He he helped people, and uh, I don't know. I just I wanted to do that too. So you know, you could do that, or uh, you know, be a jerk and try to rip people off and and get a Porsche and and maybe feel good about that. But that 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 is not my that's not my thing, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think we appreciate that. I, I, want, appreciate I want a Tesla. That. I'll take the Tesla. You'll take the Tesla, though. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I don't have Tesla. <laughs> Thanks for sharing your story, man. Thank you. Thanks for joining our conversation. For additional events, tools, and articles, subscribe at thrive.freerange.com.